CEOs, CFOs, and executives from top hospitals and health systems are gathering at this exclusive world-class event to address the most pressing issues in healthcare today. Becker's 11th annual CEO and CFO Roundtable is taking place in Chicago this November and will feature more than 400 elite provider speakers and over 1,000 hospital and health system C-suite and VP attendees. And good news, healthcare providers have a chance of receiving complimentary registration as a reviewer. If you're interested, you can apply at the website in the description. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Jennifer Schneider, co-founder and chief executive officer at Homeward. Dr. Schneider, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for the chance to be here. Now, I'm looking forward to talking with you. I know this is a big discussion, a lot happening in healthcare right now, and the work you do at Homeward is so critical. But before we dive into my discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, absolutely. So. Um, uh, my, by way of background and training, I'm an internal medicine doctor and a health services researcher, and I've been in the world of digital health now for uh, almost 15 years, uh, first at a company called Castlight Health, where I served as a chief medical officer, and then at a company called Livongo Health, where I served as president. Um, but I'm really excited about the company that I was able to co-launch with my co-founder, uh, Homeward Health, and delighted to tell you a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Well, perfect. Well, um, thank you again for your time and effort today. Now, when you look at the future, what is your growth strategy for the next year or two? What is Homeward really focused on and how do you plan to achieve it? Let me start by telling you a little bit about Homeward. So Homeward is a technology-enabled value-based care provider with a mission to re-architect the delivery of health and care in partnership with communities everywhere, starting in rural America. And the reason we picked rural America is because that healthcare delivery is heavily, heavily broken in rural America. Very specifically, when we look at people who live in a zip code with the last three digits designated as rural, they have 23% higher mortality rates than those that live in an urban community. Um, this is very personal to me. So I grew up in a small town in Minnesota called Winona. Um, I was introduced to the healthcare ecosystem at the ripe young age of 12 when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. It was actually that that led me to go into medical school. Um, I was had a very, very wonderful endocrinologist at the Mayo Clinic named Dr. Robert Nelson. And uh, it was really in the way he treated me that I became intrigued in the practice of medicine. But it wasn't until you know many, many years later when I looked back and started to understand what, what types of care uh, were the expected protocol-driven types of care, and then what were the types of care that real people received in real settings. And there's oftentimes a very big discrepancy there. Specifically for me, when I was diagnosed with type 1, um, uh, I didn't see an endocrinologist for a very extended period of time, which I did not think was AB normal, did not think was weird until I went to medical school at Hopkins and learned that much of the mortality happens early around diagnoses, both coming in and out of diabetic ketoacidosis, managing high sugars and low blood sugars. And as I started to think more about that on my own healthcare journey, it became obvious that there's a lot of work that we can and need to do in rural America. In rural America, they're about, um, uh, you know, most counties have an inadequate supply of primary care doctors, and 8% of counties have no primary care doctor. The available specialist is about half of what it is in urban, and so there's really a big 
a really a big um, discrepancy around what people need and what people can get in terms of services and care in these markets. And so with my co-founder decided to launch uh, Homeward to help address these issues. That's fantastic. And as someone uh, who grew up in a small town in Iowa as well, I definitely have experience with the rural healthcare system and certainly um, know how important it is with, within communities to have access to care and being able to provide that. And I know right now in, in many spaces, uh, rural healthcare centers and facilities are struggling more than uh, our urban centers and, and large academic medical centers who have their own challenges and their own rights. So, you know, when you look at the, the rural healthcare today, what do you see as being essential for preserving it and being able to uh, make sure that people have access to care in a really practical sense um, over the next several years? It's a, it's a really great question. I think first and foremost that um, there's a lot of good work that's happening in rural communities. And I think partnering with people is always a better approach than coming in and trying to compete, particularly when access is the issue. You don't want to come in and try to drive more people out. And so that's been a core tenet. In fact, part of our mission statement is around at the access, accessibility, and partnering with people. I think the second is that there's a, the concept in healthcare around value-based care, around truly getting paid for the outcomes that you produce is critical. Because if you look at fee-for-service and reimbursement rates in rural America, where there's a disproportionately high um, population percentage of people in Medicare and Medicaid, fee-for-service just doesn't work to, for most physicians to stay economically afloat. However, if you align economic incentives to the care that needs to be delivered to do the, the payment model under a total capitation or global capitation, it allows and incents providers to do the right thing, to invest in preventive care, to invest in remote patient monitoring, where you can access people more frequently and regularly at a much smaller reimbursement rate to drive the outcomes that are necessary. Got it. I think that makes a lot of sense and it's definitely a great way to, as you mentioned, incentivize making sure that uh, physicians and caregivers are really available and accessible and, and focused in those spaces. Could you tell us a little bit about the most exciting and impactful initiative or project that you're working on right now? Yes, yeah, so I didn't have a chance to tell you when I was introducing a Homer that we're partnered with working in two states right now, partnered with two really creative, forward thinking, strategic payers. First is Priority Health, and that's in Michigan. Uh, Priority Health is the health uh, plan arm of Corewell Health, which is the largest health system in the state of Michigan. And the second one is in Minnesota, which is my, my home state of Minnesota, um, uh, with partnering with Blue Cross Blue Shield of, of Minnesota. And so it's really in uh, it's really in partnership with these two people where we've been able to deliver, launch and deliver our care into the rural market. That's fantastic. And, you know, I know, as you mentioned, partnerships are such an important aspect of, of being able to connect and deliver care. Um, when you look at, you know, that a type of partnership like that, how do you develop a, 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 an in, I guess, or how do you develop a partnership that's beneficial for both sides, especially in a, a space where healthcare is um, very critical, but also um, not, you know, healthcare dollars and, and resources are scarce? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. I think that you know I'll, I'll talk a little bit about our model. Our model is really to allow 
healthcare practitioners to practice at the top of their licensure. So really building everything in a technology stack that allows people to have the experience, in-person experience when they need it, and then allow and allows us to take care of much of the, the kind of the crud work, if you will, or the back-end office to help drive that efficiency. It's very common in healthcare delivery systems where those of us who are really highly trained spend most of our day doing fairly menial um, work, right, just to get the job done. And the investment in technologies to take part or take away some of that, you know, uh, menial part of the paperwork and allow training to work at the top of their licensure is really important. I think the second is, again, like I talked about, relative to being able to partner within the ecosystem. So, you know, today we know that the um, there's a number of people doing really high quality work within the ecosystem and really coming in and helping drive and, and um, to help them develop what that could be. Um, so thinking really closely around what is the service offering that we have that could help accelerate health systems in these markets or help health systems accelerate the things that they excel at and forming tight partnerships there is really critical to the success of people living in the catchment areas of these health systems. Absolutely. What a great point. And, you know, to look at the healthcare system, it's about evolving so quickly and rapidly. I know over the past few years, especially during the pandemic, there was a lot of changes and then we continue to see a lot of growth and development, whether it's in the value-based space, looking at technology, artificial intelligence, the way that that's impacting healthcare, and then just the needs and, and desires of consumers. So what do you see as being the most important thing that healthcare executives should do right now to make sure that their organizations are successful going forward? Yeah, well, I, you know, again, I would start by re, uh, restating again that uh, this idea around partnering with communities to improve access to healthcare is critical. What that does, it allows um, for trust. And so trust and partnership, I think, are critical in any model, trust across the ecosystem, but definitely trust with individual people that you're serving and servicing. Um, uh, you know, for me, you know, we right now in the rural health space see a lot of hospitals are closing and there's a tremendous amount of provider shortages, which is impacting the communities in need of the healthcare, particularly in these rural areas. Um, it's important to be able to support providers to min you know, minimize those administrative burdens and help improve provider satisfaction. At the end of the day, if we have provider burnout and can't provide that care, we, we sort of miss the point. And so again, divesting and leveraging the tech, investing in and leveraging that technology to, to do that is critical. Um, second, um, I've always been a very strong advocate for empowering women in the workplace. Um, this is truly important in healthcare, where women make 80% of the healthcare decisions. So ensuring that women have a voice at the seat of the table as we're developing the delivery care system is absolutely critical, or we could end up in a place that doesn't actually make meeting the needs of the this decision maker within the healthcare ecosystem. Um, and so I think we really we need representation of women leadership in healthcare. That's amazing. Dr. Schneider, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun discussion. I, I've learned a lot and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much, Laura. I really enjoyed the opportunity. Thank you.